Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. And we're introducing some new segments called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we are bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe added a lot of value to you in your syndication journey. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell so you can continue to know when new shows come out. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Dave Foster. Thanks for being on the show, Dave. Hey, Whitney, it's great to be here with you today. Could you give us a little background on how you got into the 1031 business or being that qualified intermediary? The 1031 exchange is a process that's been a part of the tax code for 100 years, since 1920. But originally, what you had to do was swap properties, actually, with someone else. It was designed for farmers and equipment operators. Well, you can imagine in today's market how tough that would be. The court case that was settled allowed investors then to simply sell real estate that they held for investment and purchase new real estate that they held for investment and they didn't have to pay tax in the middle. As soon as I saw that, the light clicked on. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I can't continue my practice exactly how I do it. But as long as I'm using the 1031, I get to use the tax dollars to build my portfolio as well. So that was the start of everything. The start of me doing 1031 exchanges for myself. And I had some friends that said, Dave, we're setting up shop. Why don't you come in and join us? And so looking back now, 20 years later, here we are still doing 1031 exchanges, still saving tons of tax dollars. And I did get my 10 years on this sailboat. Nice. So you refer to yourself as a qualified intermediary. Can you tell us how do we find somebody like yourself and how do we know they are technically qualified, somebody that we want to work with? Yeah, well, first of all, the qualified intermediary is a requirement for a 1031 exchange. You must use the services of an unrelated third party. The only role that we fill in your transaction is the documentation and the processing of the 1031. So an investor uses all of their normal professionals, realtors, attorneys, accountants, title companies, to for their transaction. The qualified intermediary is a third party that handles just the 1031 portion of that transaction. And with me, here's where the other shoe drops. Qualified in IRS speak only means that I'm not disqualified. And I'm only disqualified if I'm a blood relation to you or if we have a prior business relationship. So qualified intermediary, although it sounds very noble, I'll take the title. It really just means that I'm unrelated to you. So your question about how do we know who we're trusting or do does this person know what they're doing? Is it so simple as looking for the cue and qualify? You've got to vet that person out to see what kind of real background that they've got, demonstrated experience, and safeguards for the customer. Honestly, most qualified intermediary firms that only do that are made up of attorneys and accountants like ours. There are attorneys that'll do a few every year. There may be accountants that do a few for a year, but they're never going to do them for their clients. So it is kind of a, you got to do a search to find them, but there's a few of us out there that are the national firms. and That's all we do. 
That's interesting. And before the show, you and I were talking a little bit about this, and I really like to focus on that investor that is probably listening that maybe has a few rentals and they're looking to get into either syndication business, but really maybe they want to go even passive or just that life cycle of an investor that you and I discussed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got a theory. I don't know how we'll ever prove it or not, but my theory is that more people enter into real estate investing because they get married than any other reason. I have no clue how we'll prove that. Here's why that works. The greatest amount, we all know that we're getting married later and later in life now. And so when two people get married so many times, he's had a house and she has a house and they move into one of them as part of their marriage. And now what did they just become? Real estate investors. They've still got the other house. And I see it time after time. We call them accidental investors. But it's kind of like a drug that gets in your system, this real estate investing thing. You mean I get a monthly rent paycheck coming in? That's kind of a cool thing. So over time, what do we do? We want more and more of it. So we start buying more properties, more properties, more properties. And that's a great way to use the 1031 exchange. Because when you sell, say, a $200,000 piece of property, you can use the proceeds to go buy two $100,000 pieces of property. So you can diversify and acquire more properties more quickly. So the 1031 really helps to build. And we help our investors doing that quite a bit. But sooner or later, Whitney, one day you wake up tired and you don't know why until the first phone call of the day comes from the tenant with a plumbing issue. And the second phone call comes from the tenant who fell on the ice in front of your house. And the third call comes and you go, oh, that's why I'm tired. I've got 20 different rentals here and it's killing me. And I did this so I can enjoy life. So again, the 1031 exchange can be used to do what we would call consolidate a portfolio, sell two properties each for $200,000 and go buy one property for $400,000 and start to narrow your horizon, start to minimize the costs and the effort of management and start to give yourself a life. And that ebb and flow is what we call the life cycle of a real estate investor. It starts out growing more and more active. And then as you get towards the latter stages of it, the focus becomes on minimizing distractions, maximizing passivity, and creating income streams that sooner or later aren't going to require you. And that's kind of the world where you and I both live. From the 1031 perspective, it involves selling and positioning assets. On the syndication side, that's one of the types of assets that can sometimes work. So let's focus on that person who has whatever their portfolio is. Maybe they've built it to 100 single family homes and now they've said, okay, you know, I've had enough of this and I want to just invest in somebody's syndication, you know, as a limited partner. Can they use the 1031 to do that? Sure. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the crux where we get to what the big problem, the big issue, the roadblock is in that. Because with 1031, you can use it to move into different properties, hire property managers. Okay, that's fine. But sooner or later, you realize you're having to manage property managers. And that's not so much fun. You can take it through exchanges and you can move into fixed assets that are triple net commercial assets where the tenant pays all of the taxes, insurance, and maintenance. That's a very passive way of investing. The problem is the price tag on those can be very, very high. 
you could also go into a, it's, it's now relatively new class in the last 15 or 20 years, which are fractional passive commercial investments, triple net leases, where instead of having to buy the whole building, you're buying a part of that building. And that can accommodate a 1031 investor who doesn't have the full amount necessary. Now, the key in all of those scenarios is that the investor is selling real estate and actually buying real estate. Even when it's a fractional ownership, they're buying a tenants in common interest in the real estate itself. And that's what makes it work with 1031. You have to sell real estate. You actually have to buy real estate. So there's the problem with syndications. Most are actually with 1031 working with syndications. Most syndications, the way they're set up now, and by the way, you haven't been doing this for very long because you look like you're about 20 years old. But back in the old days, syndication was kind of used in a whole lot of different ways. We called them partnerships. We called them joint ventures. There was a whole lot of names. The pure idea of a syndication isn't anything necessarily new. But what is new or relatively new is the new structure that syndications are being created with. And most of them are going the legal route of a limited liability partnership with a general partner and limited partners. Some are being done as LLCs as well. Now, they're doing that for a variety of security, financing, all sorts of reasons. But what that's done now is it's put a limitation on the 1031 investor. In the old days, if I wanted to create a two-person syndication, I would simply have uh, the other investor and I purchase the property together as tenants in common. With the new structure of syndications, they're being set up as limited partnerships. What I have to buy is not the real estate itself. I'm buying a membership interest in the entity that owns the real estate. And unfortunately, that doesn't qualify for 1031. So the 1031 investor has a couple options that they can look at. You know, certainly they can say, you know what? I've had a good run deferring the tax. Maybe it's time to sell this one, pay a little tax hit, and go into syndication with my now tax-free dollars. And that can be a good avenue to do it, particularly if you've got a sharp accountant and you can work with them and say, oh, here's some capital losses we can offset that with. Now, in order to make this work, you got to have capital losses, so it's not a strategy I recommend, but it will work. Happening on January 20th and 21st is Denver's biggest real estate event, the next big thing. And it's shaking up how real estate professionals will define business success. This two-day event will give you tools so you can catapult your own business. You'll discuss how the world is changing and what's needed to stay two steps ahead. Together with 450 other professionals, you will build a foundation to become the next big thing. Built on the foundation of helping others build wealth through real estate, the Ruth team has created the ultimate tool that is this event, and it's called the next big thing. 25 speakers, including Ryan Serhant, Kenyon Salo, Nebu Hata, Stacey Veden, Brian Moses, Natalie Davis, and Ryan Avery. Register now at thenextbigthingcolorado.com and use the code RESS to get $150 off. I'm excited to have Dave Zook. He's a successful business owner. He's an author and speaker, owns approximately 3,000 units. He got into multifamily. 
real estate because he had a tax problem. He's experienced on the passive investor side and also as a syndicator. I'm thrilled to have him on the show. Thanks again, Dave. Whitney, thanks for having me on your show. Dave, would you give us a little about your background and how you got into multifamily syndication? Yeah. So I early on, I was very intentional. I was not going to be a real estate investor. And simply for the reason that I saw my dad invest in real estate and self-manage some of his single family homes. And I just thought there's got to be a way, a better way to make money than that. So I specifically steered away from real estate and I invested, although I was an investor and business owner from my mid to late teens ever since, I invested in business and I started a couple businesses. I partnered with people with businesses and I sold a business or two and got to the point where I started making a lot of money with these businesses and they were doing really well and got myself into a situation where I was paying almost a half million dollars a year in tax and I got tired of it. And so through listening to Robert Kiyosaki and reading his stuff and then eventually getting to the point where I realized that real estate was not only had a lot of other really good benefits to it, tax protection was a big one. And so for me, when people ask me how I got into real estate, I always say I was chased into it for tax reasons. I was paying a lot of tax and I recognized after a while that real estate, specifically multifamily real estate, can be a real tax shelter. So I really got into it for the tax protection piece. Nice. Can you tell us of some of those tax shelters or tax benefits that you were looking for? You know, you were that high income earner. You know, what were you looking for exactly in the tax shelter? Can you explain a little bit of that? I'll just give you an example. We get very strategic on the tax side now, and I've learned a lot in the last decade. So we'll go in, we'll buy a multifamily apartment building, we'll do a cost segregation study, we use bonus depreciation that's now available to us as of the end of last year. And there's just some incredible tax incentives there for real estate investors. And so for me, when I go and do my tax planning and I go looking toward the end of the year and I have an option, I'm either going to stroke a check for a big tax bill or I'm going to invest in an asset that gives me the tax protection. Which one's it going to be? Well, for me, that's pretty easy. So I'll just give you an example. We bought a, I think it was 138 unit apartment building late last year and we were able to use the additional tax benefits through the bonus depreciation plan that they came out with at the end of the year. And they then ruled that back to September 27th. So anything we bought between September 27th of last year and the end of the year, we were able to use this new bonus depreciation rule. Well, an investor who invested with us through one of our syndications and invested $100,000 into the deal, they got $91,000 in tax deductions back. So just incredible what you can do with a little strategy with some good members on your team to be able to make that happen. It's incredible what you can do to save on your tax liability when you use a little strategy. Wow. That's incredible. 91000 So let's go back a little bit. When you were that passive investor or high income earner, how did you get started then? How did you know who you wanted to invest with? You wanted to stay away from real estate initially, but then you've seen these benefits. And how did you know who you wanted to invest with? Get around different events, get around different people, get around people with connections. You know, I got to tell you, as a passive investor, it hasn't always worked out really well. The very first passive investment deal in a big multifamily apartment building, 
I ended up losing a couple hundred thousand dollars just simply because I had teamed up with the wrong guy. So it doesn't always work out well, but that's a big part of it. You got to pick your team wisely. And if you don't, it can cost you big. What was it about that team member? What should we be looking for so we can avoid that same situation if we're a passive investor? I mean, he talked a good game. He was a real good sales guy, but his competence in running an apartment building wasn't that great. So, I mean, I made a bunch of mistakes. It was early on. You know, I got excited about this deal. I got sold this deal. And this was going to be the greatest thing ever. And it was going to be a home run right out of the park. Well, I ended up being the only syndicate in the deal. And I brought $750,000 to the deal and ended up going home with just over two fifty. A little while later, like well, a couple years later. So number one, it was the first deal that I'd ever done with this guy. I should have maybe just started with fifty or a hundred thousand or really watched him perform with a little bit of money instead of going all in. And so that was one of them. I mean, it's, you know, there was other mistakes that there was other things that I learned throughout that whole process, but that was the big one, you know, putting sort of all the eggs in that basket and getting excited about the deal, letting your emotions take control ahead of logic. So it was a lesson well learned. It was an expensive lesson. But, you know, looking back, I'm glad I went through it and it's made me a better investor. Awesome. I'm glad you can see that side of it now. You talked about watching him perform a little with a little bit of money before going all in. I think that's some great advice. I've heard numerous passive investors talk about how they'll do, you know, a little bit numerous syndicators deals just to diversify. And is that something you recommend now or how do you handle that to keep that from happening again? Yeah. I mean, and it's the same with asset classes as well, different asset classes. I mean, let's say you start with say three or four or five and you try to figure out, okay, what asset class am I most fond of? You know, it could take a year to see your K1s, you see your tax benefits on each one. And then you can go back the next year and, and invest heavier in the ones you want. Same with a, a promoter or a sponsor. I've got investors who do the same thing. They'll invest with me, they'll invest with two, three other guys. And then, you know, eventually it gets to the point where, you know, they just invest with me and we do deals over and over again. I got guys that, you know, invest with me in 10, 15, 20 different deals and invest in any deal that I do. And that, of course, doesn't happen the first time around. You don't get that right out of the gate, but you get that from years of performance and you build up that trust level and you show that you're competent and, you know, show you can get the deal done, do what you say you're going to do. We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success. 